Good morning again. Welcome to Christian Layman Church. Just want to remind you that we're in the middle of a sermon series that we called The Five. And it's kind of a quick overview of the New Testament where we pick five of the books. And each of these books have uh, some sort of key principle that we'd like to share to all of you and for you to get to know. And also in those books, there were some sort of issue that was being dealt with that we found very relevant to our own church. So if you recall, the first week of the series was the book of Matthew, and essentially the book of Matthew is just the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's pointing to Jesus as being the true king. And then the second week we had, um, I believe it was Acts, where we're looking at the importance of the spreading of the gospel, where the Holy Spirit encourages us to have that responsibility of sharing uh, our faith in Jesus with others. And then last week, Pastor Andrew touched on uh, Second Corinthians about how God works through our weaknesses, and then that's how God shows his strength. And today we're going to go into uh, a portion of Galatians, and then the following week we finish up the series with First John. So all of these books are just a taste of the New Testament, but during this season of time, we want to encourage you. We actually want to challenge you. We actually want you to dive deeper into these books with a group of people or just on your own. Because we know that part of our, our responsibility to grow in our faith, in our, our journey as followers of Jesus, that we want to know God better, to know his voice. And the one way that we can recognize his voice, and one of the forms that God brings his voice, is in the written word. So to read his Bible, to study it, meditate on it, and as An was encouraging us, to memorize parts of it. So that's our hope. That's our challenge. So pick one of these books. I know some of the groups, the one that's most popular is Second Corinthians. So I know a few home groups are going through that. But I encourage you, during this season of time, as part of your reading plan maybe, pick one of these five that we've selected, and we know that you'll be blessed by going through it. <clears throat> Prepare this time with a word of prayer, and we'll dive into God's word. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your presence here today with us, and I ask that you will continue to move in this room through your Holy Spirit to touch each person in a special way. And as I always pray, I ask that you would help um, our minds to be open to know what you want us to know, to open our eyes to see what you want us to see, open our ears to hear what you want us to hear, but most importantly, open our hearts to feel what you want us to feel. So I thank you in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. So I have an opening question. How many of you are trained in CPR, life basic support? Okay, good. Yeah, that's, that's a kind of a self-serving question for me right now, but also I think it's a useful one. <laughs> At my age, you never know. I could just drop, drop dead here, and I just kind of know if there's anybody in the room that can kind of revive me. So that's actually a good thing. So I see... Uh, a lot of you are, and actually I encourage in a community, actually the life expectancy of a person having a cardiac arrest, if there are more people in, in, in the community that knows how to do it, it really increases people's survival rate because you cannot depend on emergency services getting to you because you have basically only about 10 minutes of time before there's damage to the brain. So if 10 minutes, I don't know how fast a fire, fireman can come or paramedics because you can actually be dead by 10 minutes brain dead. Uh, this is a sad fact that I, I picked up on the internet, that apparently 65% of Americans had never seen this device. So I don't know if we have that picture. There it is. 
Anybody know what that is? Correct. It's an AED, which is called an automated external defibrillator. So again, being self-serving, do you know where there's one located in this building? Yeah, some of you know. It's right there by the front door, right there in the lobby. So if I drop dead (laughs) and my heart stops, you know where to go and shock me, okay? So it's right there, and that's important because... That device there, that AED, will actually, where mostly, most people who get a cardiac arrest, arrest, only 10% survive. Less than 10%, actually. That's not a good fact. If you have an AED, it increases it at least by 30 to 30%, maybe even 40%. So it's so critical to have to know where that is. And then some people have an irregular heartbeat that they actually embed one into their chest so that whenever it goes off, have a weird arrhythmia that uh, this device will shock them to get it back on track. Well, where I'm going with this is that a lot of times our spiritual lives, our faith with Jesus, our understanding of the gospel, sometimes we need an AED to shock us back to true reality and to understanding the significance of what the gospel and grace means. And, and, you know, this thing about grace, it's, it's sometimes something that we underappreciate, that sometimes we, we forget. We think it's a one-and-done deal. But, you know, life in the world that we live in actually has a message that goes counter to the grace of God. And on each day we get beaten. We get sometimes brainwashed to think a different way. And we need a shock to go back to how God thinks and how God wants us to live our lives. For us, the grace of God is a precious gift. And if we don't fully understand it, if we don't fully grasp it, it has major consequences on our own witness and on our own walk, how we treat ourselves and how we treat other people. And, you know, some of you are wondering, well, how do I know if I have a problem? If you're going in life, everything's going really well. How do I diagnose myself? Just like coronary heart disease, it's called a silent killer because it can be going on and you don't know that it's actually killing you. How do you know if you're walking correctly with God in a way that fully embraces the grace of God? Or are you actually kind of slowly dying without knowing it? And here are some questions. Maybe these will, will, um, you can identify with. Do you find right now your spiritual life lacking joy? Do you often catch yourself striving, trying to be the good Christian and always finding yourself just falling short? Or maybe this is kind of maybe the bottom, bottom line kind of question. If you were going to die today, if you just walked out on the street and you dropped dropped dead right there, do you believe you're going to go to heaven? So why don't you go ahead and think about that and maybe turn to your neighbor and, 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 and share what you think. If you drop dead this day, are you sure you're going to go to heaven? So maybe if you have the Willingness to share that with a neighbor. Go ahead and do that for just a moment.
Okay, if you had a chance to do that, uh, I'm not going to ask how you answered, but <laughs> I'm sure in a room like this, and I'll be honest, there are times when, when, when I'm uh, in certain states, I might have some doubts. But what are some of the things that would cause us to doubt? I mean, it would be questions that I could ask that may probe into that, like there, you have a belief that there are some sins that are not forgivable. Or maybe you feel that God's grace has a limit. Or only people who are 100% obedient all the time reap God's blessing. Or maybe, how could I think I'm saved if I continuously relapse into some bad habit or some sort of addiction? If you are thinking that way, possibly that be, could cause you to doubt that you think you actually are, be, are saved by the grace of God. And if you are thinking that way, then my conjecture to you is that you may be suffering from a disease called legalism. And that's the issue we're going to be looking at in the book of Galatians. Uh, legalism, what is it? I think the best definition that we found is from David Platt, who defines it like this. Legalism is living according to your own rules out of your own strength to earn God's favor. Again, legalism is living according to your own rules out of your own strength to earn God's favor. And legalism kills, but grace revives. And if you remember anything this morning, just remember that. That legalism kills, but grace revives. And, you know, bad, bad things do things to us, and, and legalism is one of that. But I have good news. The thing that will cure it, the thing that will revive us from legalism is the grace of God. And that is something that, that all of us have access to. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul addresses the issue of legalism in the early church. Just a little bit of context before I read our passage is that in the church of Galatia, in the churches of Galatia, which is today I think modern Turkey, is a Roman little grouping uh, of cities. And some of the Jewish Christians who were in the church, in this early church, were known as the Judaizers. So what they were being uh, upset about is that outside of the Jewish people, the gospel is now spreading to non-Jews. And so the Gentiles, the non-Jews, were coming to faith. And, and the Jewish Christians were a little upset because they said it, it, it's so easy for them to come in. I mean, we are God's chosen people. We had to live by the Mosaic law. We had all these other traditions and culture, cultural things. And they said, how come those people don't have to do that? And so some of them were beginning to impose in the church these requirements for what it meant to be a Christian. And so one of the things that the Judaizers, these uh, Jewish Christians, were requiring, wanting to require uh, non-Jewish uh, Christians to, to, to do, in particular males, to get circumcised. Now, I don't know about you, that's pretty painful if you've got to do it as an adult. But that's what the Jewish Christians were asking the new Christians who are not Jewish people to do that. And then they were also requiring them to follow 
old Mosaic law, old Mosaic uh, Jewish customs and rituals. And Paul found this uh, upsetting to him because essentially the gospel of Jesus Christ was now being distorted. That there was now a false gospel being preached at these churches. And so Paul needed to address this, stop it in the tracks, and get the people back on to what God intends his gospel to be about. And that's essentially the purpose of the book of Galatians. And I will read now from chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, which is the introduction to, to this book. And you can follow along as it's projected behind me. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Very short passage. It's the beginning of a letter. It's a, some aspects of it is very common to, to other greetings that, that Paul starts his letters but here there are some noteworthy things to see. And one of the things that, that I want us to look at is just comes right out in verse 1. Essentially, Paul, to combat this false teaching that's happening in the church, has to establish his authority. So he begins, which is different from some of his other letters. If you compare, he doesn't actually mention this. But here he states, Paul the apostle. And, and he continues by saying, not appointed by men, but appointed by God and Jesus Christ. So right off the bat, Jesus is mentioned as the one who's sending him and giving him authority. God is the Father who, who is also the one that oversees him, not man. And he's combating legalism, which legalism is essentially one of the parts of the definition is following your own rules. But the grace of God requires us. It means that we no longer live by our rules, but we live by God-given rules. And so Paul emphasizes it here by stating that I'm not sent by men. I don't get my authority from men. My authority comes from God and through Jesus Christ. And you know, there's nothing wrong with rules, right? We love, I think a lot of us actually love rules. I mean, I do. So when I say we don't live by man-made rules and we live by God-given rules, there's a time and place for rules. But then there's a dark side to that. Now, rules are good because it creates order. If we didn't have any rules, we'd have chaos, right? If you went to a stop sign and everybody ran through a stop sign and we didn't follow the rule that you're supposed to stop, it would be a traffic mess, right? So that's just a simple example of that. The day we enter in this world, right, we quickly learn there are rules, if you are born into a family, right, as a kid, you know who makes the rules. And I know as a kid, I couldn't wait to the day that I got to move out of the house and that I could make up my own rules, right? That's a common experience. And now as a parent, then that's, that's kind of like icing on the cake. Then you get to make all the rules. And the kids go, well, who made that rule? I made that rule. <laughs> so it's, it's fact of life. We all have rules to follow. Even our workplaces, right? Even in schools, there are rules. Now, the issue goes, however, when we have this mindset 
that we want to have rules. And then we kind of have this other mindset that we kind of want to rebel against rules because I don't get to make up the rules because whoever makes up the rules has control. Like when, when you have kids, right, you play games, and then I know there's so-called certain games, even in a game of basketball or, or a game of baseball, uh, you learn quickly when you play pickup games, what are your rules? Because people make up odd kind of rules for the way they play. And so if you don't know their rules, it can mean the difference between winning and losing. So you learn, I learn really quickly, and I think everybody learns if you're going to go through life. You figure out what are the rules because that's the only way you're going to lead to success. But the, where I'm getting to is that whoever makes the rules has control. And we actually all, it's human nature, we all want to be the boss, right? When you're the boss, you make up the rules. But the thing is, that doesn't work in the faith. When you receive grace from God, it means we are no longer the boss, that we make God the boss. And so we have to fight that temptation in ourselves that the world kind of encourages and, and actually affirms that if we're the boss, one in control, we're more successful. But in a reverse world of the kingdom of God, God's the boss, and we got to learn to let go of control. And that's a difficult thing for a lot of us. But the scripture says there in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, sent not by, from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Definitely pointing to God being the boss. So the next thing that Paul tells us to deal with legalism, you can find that in verse, verse 4. Essentially that grace means God rescues us instead of us being self-sufficient. That God has the power to rescue us. There's nothing in ourselves that we can rescue ourselves. And, and I kind of want to illustrate that point where there's a futility in trying to, to um, depend on ourselves. I have kind of a setup here. Some of you are probably wondering what this is. It's a bicycle, but it's on a kind of like a stationary treadmill stand. I'm going to ask, uh, there he is, <laughs> Jordan Kong, please come forward. I thought about riding it myself, but it would be pretty hard to preach and also ride the bike at the same time. At my age, I don't want to drop dead <laughs> and test my theory of the AED. All right, give him a hand as he's coming up here. If you don't know Jordan, Jordan uh, just finished Davis. Actually, got his job, first job, so that's really, really good. But he was also our pastoral intern. So this is actually payback for all the lunches I had to pay for, treat you out to. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. So this is uh, on a stationary thing. Just go ahead and pedal. Just think you're back in Davis going to classes. <laughs> yeah, just look around, enjoy the view, wave to the, your friends. and <laughs> So, oh, yeah, no hands. Okay, really good. So what's happening here is, is essentially Jordan is riding a bike, right? So he's riding a bike. And actually, if I was cruel, I would make him ride for 30 minutes or something like that. Actually, I could even turn up the, the resistance on the bike, so it makes it even tougher. And I understand 
this, this device here, I think you could put even more resistance, and there's actually wind resistance. He's actually pedaling. There's a fan that's blowing into his face if he goes fast enough. So, so this is to simulate being on the road. But here, he could pedal for hours, right? Even all day. But end of, the, end of the, that time, did he really go anywhere? I mean, he's expending all this energy, and eventually he's going to get tired because everybody's going to get tired. Actually, probably he's going to get hungry before he gets tired. Right? <laughs> then he's not going to keep pedaling. And then as he's doing this, he kind of has to concentrate doing this because if you haven't gotten on this, you do have to balance yourself a little bit because it isn't that, that easy to get on this bike device. But what I'm getting to is that if you're trying to lead your life like this, that you're trying to follow legalistically rules, it's futile. It's just like this. You're just spinning your wheels because eventually you're going to get tired. You're going to make a mistake. You're just going to want to give up. And essentially, you're not going anywhere. And that's where the grace of God comes to free us from this kind of mindset and this kind of desire to want to do things on our own. But God says, no, you don't have to do that. That my grace is sufficient to you, that you are free from living your life like this. All right, thanks, Jordan. You can get off now. <laughs> the Apostle Paul, he writes this in verses 3 to 4. He says, The Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself, gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father. So in those scripture verses, it says that God, the Father, according to his will, rescues us. And that's, that's significant. I don't know if you appreciate that, that all of us need rescuing. Because there are things in life that we can't have control over or save ourselves. And if we're honest about that, we're going to need some other source and power. And that's what I'm saying is Jesus Christ, God our Father, will save you. And he assures us through that scripture that he gave himself up and only Jesus can do that. He was the only worthy one to go on the cross to take care of our sins because he was sinless, that he could be the unblemished, unblemished lamb to go to the cross for us in our stead. So past, present, future, Whatever failings, whatever sins, whatever you think is unforgivable, it's all taken care of. And that's the significance of the grace that we receive from God. Because legalism, if you're trying to live by rules, you make it up or someone else made up, it's going to kill you. But the grace of God, the grace that we receive freely, will revive you. Grace is totally the opposite of legalism. If I was to change the definition up, legalism is living according to your own rules out of your own strength to earn God's favor. And that's totally the opposite of what God's grace is. It's not your strength, it's his strength. It's not your rules, it's his rules. And the final thing is earning God's favor. Grace means that we receive a gift, a gift from God that we can't earn on our own. Nothing we can do will allow us to receive that gift. 
Scripture says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. It's, it's a simple thing. It's a simple thing about receiving a gift. When you receive something, you can't earn it. It's, that's why it's a gift. If you have to earn it, it's not a gift. But the scripture tells us that God gives us this gift. And it's called grace. And, and we don't have to do anything about it. Because as I said, Jesus has taken care of that. But getting something free is so counterculture. Because we learn from an early age, nothing comes free. The world tells us, you got to earn it. There's always some sort of catch. There's always some sort of strings attached. Right? You've all had those introductory subscriptions to magazines. All they give you is, it's free. Then you read the small print for three months. And then to get it, oh, we won't charge you anything, but can we have your credit card number? And then if you don't keep uh, eyes on it, after the three months, three months are up, they start charging you. And that's typical marketing ploy. But they always start with, it's free. But if they're, they're actually banking on people not taking the convenience or take going out of the being inconvenient for them to call up and change it. And by the time you actually maybe make the change, they've already got at least one month out of you. And if you do this with literally hundreds of thousands of people, you can make a pretty good living, right? So it's an easy marketing ploy. But that's how in the world we... We, we learn and actually we experience oftentimes that things don't get, come free. We actually live in a society that's based on meritocracy, right? That you earn in school the grades you get. You work, the raises and your promotions are ones that you, you earn. We actually come from an Asian culture too that actually reinforces this thing about earning things about performance, right? We have this kind of mindset. I don't know if you grew up in this kind of culture. I did, where it's kind of even Stevens kind of mentality. You know, during the holidays, during the festivals, whatever, people come and visit a home, and they bring whatever, the oranges and the pastries. But before they leave, you have to turn around and give them some back. So it's almost like when you come with something, you leave with something. Uh, It gets down to even... As I said, very legalistic. Uh, I've seen uh, my own mother doing this at times when there are like our wedding, wedding gifts or, or what people will give during birthdays. She will mark it down. And then she has a, a ledger, a recording of what people gave. And so in turn, when it's time to return the favor, she knows appropriately what to match it with. And that's... I know that's not unique because I know people keep track of that. And honestly, probably some of you even do it with your friends, right? When your birthday, oh, this is a great gift. And you kind of make a mental note. Okay, that, that wasn't that great a friend. <laughs> For guys, when you're dating uh, women, I know there were some gifts that I thought were great, but then I learned, oh, that wasn't that great. And I had to uh, give more gifts to compensate for things like that. <laughs> but people keep track. And, and that's a kind of a human nature thing. But that's kind of the culture thing. But what I'm trying to say here, when if we are this even Stevens kind of mentality, it's so counter to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's if you're thinking that way, either you're influenced by our culture in, in, in the United States 
or even in our Asian culture, it's going to kill you. And I mean, it can literally kill you because I have a story. I have a, a friend that I know that she needed uh, a bone marrow transplant. She was dying of leukemia. And it happened to, you know, in Asian communities, we've had donor drives here. It's very hard to get a, a match. I mean, they're just in the Asian population to find matches for bone marrow is very difficult. But this woman, she, she needed a transplant and she actually matched with one of her sisters. But she refused to have that bone marrow donation from her sister because she felt, she had this even Stevens mentality, that she felt she couldn't receive this gift of life essentially from her sister because she would be so indebted to her forever. And that she felt that her sister giving her life, she could never give her something back. That she would live under the shame of that. And in, in her belief system, that it would be a curse upon her and a curse upon her whole family. So that's where, I, as an example of legalism, of this even Stevens, I have to do it, goes to an extreme. And it actually could cost your own life, if you think that way. And in her family, she was a non-Christian, but her sister was a Christian. And she was trying to share the gospel. But if you can't understand that some things are free in life, she couldn't accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior because it is freely given. The grace of God through Jesus Christ is freely given. But this woman with this kind of mentality, it was a barrier for her accepting Jesus because she said, how could I repay a God that gives me life like that? She felt that, isn't it appropriate? Isn't it more correct that I have to earn my way to heaven? And we know some religions that are like that. But that's the beauty of the Christian faith. We don't have to do anything. Jesus already did it. There is no requirement of running up a hundred steps or pedaling a bike for an hour or whatever you think will qualify you. The simple step is just turning your life over to Jesus as your Lord and Savior making God your boss, and he freely gives to you, no strings attached, the grace that will revive you. You know, sometime during this week, if some of you answered a question that you doubt if you died today that you would go to heaven, or maybe you're going some difficult issues in your life and, and you just need a little bit more love and maybe love from God to you, I want you to just reflect maybe on three questions just to do a self-diagnosis of maybe you're suffering this disease I call legalism, which will kill you. The questions are there in your, in your uh, programs is this, Ask yourselves, do you live by your own rules? Do you depend or rely on your own strength? And do you still feel that you need to earn God's favor? So if you answer yes in, in any of those answers, 
then I encourage you to begin to change your thinking that that's wrong thinking. That the grace of God answers all those three for you. And that you would take time to just ask for forgiveness to think that you're thinking wrongly because that's not God's intent for you and receive more of the grace that he has to offer. Because a lot of times, a lot of us think that the day we accept Jesus Christ is, is one and done. But the grace of God is not a one and done deal. It's for eternity. It's meant to continually to be flowing into you, to transform you, to erase, eliminate all the bad junk that comes from the evil world. And so I encourage you to, to receive that each and every day. And in a moment, I mean, we're going to be closing here soon. I'm going to encourage you. I think we're going to have our prayer ministers out They're behind the, what we call the Great Wall. So if you want to receive prayer, maybe it's something that maybe you had some doubt. Maybe you are struggling with being hard on yourself. Maybe you fully don't understand or appreciate uh, or know the grace of God. I encourage you to receive prayer because you will be blessed and God will be able to have an opportunity to change your heart. Well, this morning, we all learned what an AED looks like. So I did my PSA, my community service, so that now you can be above that 65% who haven't ever seen one of those things. Um, and, and as I said, it's a device that jumpstarts the heart back to life. Well, God, he can do that to our spiritual hearts, and that's what the power of grace can do when you receive it. One of my uh, cousins uh, shared this profound quote that just this past week, and I think God was acting through him too, and I, I love it, and I, I want to share it with you. Sometimes... He says, I, sometimes I feel like God uses a defibrillator on my life so that my heart beats for him. It's not comfortable, but it's better than flatlining. Right? That's cool. I think sometimes we need a jump start to our hearts so that we don't flatline to get back into the proper rhythm that resonates with the heart of God. So my hope for all of you is that you will live under the freedom and grace the freedom of grace and not the tyranny of legalism. And that's my hope and prayer, and that's a good thing. Remember, legalism kills, but grace revives. So let's pray. Lord, as I was preparing for the message this, this week, um, you put a lot of stuff on my heart and in many times many ways I had to kind of just struggle to appreciate the understanding of this thing called grace and, and forgive me for taking it for granted or taking it so lightly and become attracted to other things in the world that seems so much more glittery or attractive than, than the grace that comes from you. But your grace that you give to us came with a price. And that price was paid by our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is something that, that uh, I will forever be grateful. And it is each time that I remi reminded of that, 
my heart beats quickly for you. So I thank you, Lord, for what you did on the cross for us through your son. And so may that blessing be known and appreciated by all in this room. So I thank you in Jesus' name.